Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for September has been provided by Joyant, the only cloud service that's purpose-built to power today's real-time web and mobile applications. Joyant offers the most cost-effective public and hybrid cloud solutions available today. Here at 5x5, we host all of our web and app servers in the Joyant cloud, so we highly recommend that you check them out and sign up for a free trial at joyant.com. My guest this week is Aaron Menke. He is a freelance designer, author of Frictionless Freelancing. He's the co-host of the Homework podcast on the 5x5 network, along with a previous guest, Dave Kahlo. How you doing, Aaron? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm still waking up for some reason. Yeah, you're, you, so it's what, you're an hour ahead of me, behind me? You're 11.40? You're East Coast? Yeah, it's 11.40. Yeah, yeah, and, so. And normally I'm awake by like 7.38. But you're just not doing it today, huh? I don't know, I'm foggy. Yeah. And I've, I've scaled back my coffee consumption. I'm on uh, weekend coffees only now. And it, it makes the weekdays a little rough. Wow, I thought I'd scaled back to like one cup a day, but weekends <laughs> only, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I, I've been doing tea and things like that. Ah, uh, see, tea. Tea is interesting because I find it really doesn't have that much less caffeine if you do it right. Um, but it's a less janky caffeination. Yeah. Like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't make me as shaky edgy. I do tea pretty regularly. Yeah. I do yeah. tea. I make it sound like uh like crack or something. <laughs> you roll it yourself. <laughs> Actually I, I tell people that I roll my own because I, I buy a loose leaf in, you know, big bags and yeah. and then I get the, the like the empty uh tea bags that you can put them in. Disposable. Uh, I actually yeah. I have a I have several contraptions, but my favorite one is a tea thermos. It's a double walled glass thermos with a sieve mm-hmm. on top. Yep. So I just drop loose leaf in it, fill it up with the right temperature water, and then just drink out of it until it's gone. I don't I don't usually deal with like steeping times and everything. Okay. This is actually common practice in China. I'm told. Really. Like, people pack. They'll just they'll, they'll do the exact same thing in the morning. Take it to work with them, and you'll see on the bus all these like uh, just tea thermoses that's awesome yeah I, I, you can oversteep some black teas but but green y- you can steep for hours and it's mm, cool like yeah you don't get that bitter taste yep um i really like uh we i get i my supplier like sources straight from china he he gets amazing teas and my supplier again <laughs> this sounds like drug talk <laughs> but um but he has this one called uh uh ginseng oolong Okay. Which is, you know, it's your basic oolong tea, but then they roll each leaf dipped in a ginseng powder and rolled into a ball. Oh, wow. And so you get these like, it's like a handful of beads, <laughs> bees, <laughs> beads, um, and you drop them into your thermos and man, that's a, it's a kick without the coffee like jitters. Nice. Nice. That was a good opening topic. I love it. Nobody would expect that. Tea. Tea. Tea time with Aaron and Brett. Tea and crack. Tea. Yes. <laughs> and you, you, you mentioned your supplier sells this to you out of his trunk, right? <laughs> he does not. He has a, he has a legitimate storefront with no money, money laundering in the back. <laughs> no hair salon. No, it's a massage parlor. But oh, I see. A yeah. fully legitimate massage parlor. Uh, right. As far as I know. Anyway, anyway, sounds good. If, if they sell online, if you're interested, uh, mandala com. M-A-N-D-A-L-A, Mandala okay. um, I'll I will put that in the show notes because they deserve it. They're really good. Nice. Um, okay, so you're a freelancer. I am. Yeah, you're I work freelance. for myself. Like, how long have you been on your own? Um, I hung a shingle about seven years ago, 
and uh, went full time five years ago this month. You hung a shing. Oh, you like, uh, you, you know, the like sign basically on your said, door. you know, here's the name of my business and I'll, I'll do work for you for cash. I thought and you were going to tell me you were like, um, you were a roofer. Oh no, no, and no, then I'm not, decide- <laughs> I'm not built for that. Just not familiar with the phrase, but now that I think about it, I've heard it before. Um, so what were you doing prior to freelancing and why did you make the decision? Uh, so I have a degree in psychology, an undergrad degree in psychology, which meant that I was very qualified leaving college to do retail management. And so I did that for a very long time. And uh, when I got married, um, that would be uh, six and a half years ago, uh, I took a job where my wife was working at a medical office and that medical office was incredibly busy. Uh, it was a chiropractor um, and they saw about a thousand patients a week. And I, I had minored in art and majored in psychology, had planned on doing art therapy as a, as a grad school program. And then I decided that I really didn't want more school. So um, I've always kept up with design. And as software got better and better, I, I started to really like where it was going. Um, when I was in college, paint chips meant like painting on a, a, a canvas paint swatches. You know, and there'd be a weekly assignment of take this color and then, you know, do me the spectrums this way and this way. And so having a computer to do this stuff was just amazing. So um, when I took this job oh, seven years ago or so, um, I, I started taking over some of their marketing in the office. They were just doing things really, really poorly. You know, like taking the PowerPoint, the title slide from a PowerPoint presentation that they're going to do as a workshop in a month and having it printed four up on a piece of cardstock and then having that copied and cut and mailing it out to patients, which was, I don't know, just kind of made me want to throw up in the bathroom. Is that common practice among chiropractors? Because when I was freelancing, I had chiropractor clients that were doing the exact same thing. I Yeah. And it's probably more than just chiropractors, but I, I think it's the, the common practice of people with little budget and, and not knowing what your options could be, you know, because what ended up happening is I said, well, look, I'll, I'll design the postcard on the clock because I work here um, and I'll get it printed. And they were probably paying $200 every time they had to get a thousand of these cards done up and you can go online today to places like, you know, if you want to do Vista print, you can, um, I use a company called four over. They work with designers only. Um, and you know, a thousand business, a thousand postcards, it's like less than 50 bucks. So, you know, when I, I walked up to them and I said, look, you can have something that looks better and it costs less. They're like, let's just run with it. Let's do it. And so I did that for a long time with them. And then, you know, when you got a thousand people coming in the office each week, there's a lot of business owners. And I started picking up clients that way. People would see things and say, oh, this looks really good. Who did this? And I'd say, well, that was, that was me. And they'd say, well, I have an investment firm. Would you like to do a poster for me? Sure. So the things just kind of snowballed from there. So five years ago, um, I took it full time and, and it's been growing ever since. Can, can I ask you a, an odd random question, but I'll make it make sense in a second. Sure. Are you a church going man? I am. Okay. Do you find that a lot of your business comes from within the religious community? Uh, no. Um, I haven't gotten a lot of, I do, I do marketing for my church, uh, as kind of a, you know, pro bono thing. But, uh, for, because I started in a chiropractor's office and one who was very well networked, a lot of my initial clients were chiropractors. Um, and however, then from, however, yes, uh, uh, your chiropractors aren't church going people. Uh, some are, some aren't. Okay. Cause where I come from, if you're a chiropractor, it means you are also Christian. 
Mm. That somehow, I don't know why, but it seems to go hand in hand. And the only reason I'm asking all this is because I find it interesting in my area that there's an entire community of business people that literally all go to the same church. And once you tap into that, mm-hmm. if you do well, right. like it's just, it's automatic because you're part of this like church click. Well, it's, it's something that I've, I've learned over the last few years that every now and then you're, I mean, you're going to get new clients all the time. Hopefully the things are going well, you're getting new clients. Um, you know, I get a handful a month that are new and I've got a lot of repeats and every now and then you find that client who just, they are networked to the hill, you know, they, they know everybody mm-hmm. and they might only need you for a really small job, but, but once you get done and you've made them happy, they start sending project after project your way. I mean, I've had months in, in my five years where all of the work was sent to me by like one client. And is it, is it typically uh, like one-off jobs um, like we need a postcard. Can you make a postcard or do they become more comprehensive design yeah, clients? The one-offs are less frequent for me. I, I, I'm, I'm people come to me for branding primarily. So what happens a lot of times when you do a logo is people say, okay, now we need to use the logo, you know? Yeah. So let's do business cards and stationery and, you know, envelopes and things like that. I just finished up a project for somebody and th- this logo design included, um, a business card template, you know, that's going to be used for eight different employees and letterhead envelopes, um, a, a, a postcard that's flat, non-folded, that's like from the desk of, um, and then a folded card to be like a thank you card. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Once you get a logo done, there's so many things that a business can do with it. So that's, that's where I kind of get all the rest of those projects from. Do you do marketing campaigns? Uh, I mean, I'm not much of a marketing planner. If somebody said, Here, here's our goal, we have, we want to do four postcards over four weeks. You know, we want all of them to have these messages. Can you design them? Then yeah, I'll design the, okay. the cards. But I'm not like the, I'm not a marketing guru. See, I think that's how I run my freelance design career was getting into marketing. And oh, really? Not because I was bad at it, just because it wasn't what I loved doing. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, uh, for me, it became, we don't just want a logo branding design. We want to increase our you know, foot traffic by 15% in these many months. And that's, uh, it's a weird kind of pressure. Yeah. Um, and you have to study all of the response rates to various type of mail and, and online campaigns. And it ultimately just became drudge, drudgery. Yes. Is that a word? I, drudgery is, yeah. It is now. Um, it, it just, it dragged me down. And, and so I, I closed my shop and went to solo marketing, trying to do more of what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that didn't last forever either. I'm impressed that you have seven years of, of still dealing with relatively like medium sized clients. I assume. Do, do you do any, anything you would consider major clients? I have, um, I have a couple. They're not, they're not like publicly known companies, but they're, you know, people with really large budgets and, and large, um, I, revenue maybe is a way that you could measure how big a client is. Yeah. You know, I, one of my clients is a, a lobbyist group in Canada for um, a particular industry and they have, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of time and a lot of money to invest in getting their message out in a lot of different ways. And um, they stumbled into me 
maybe three years ago. It was, that was one of those like, Hey, can you design a very small graphic that's going to go on a PowerPoint slide? <laughs> you know, I might've been a $150 project at the time. And I said, yeah, I'll do it. You know, I, you can say no to small things, but I said yes to it. And I, you know, the, the way you handle the project, the, the kind of work you turn over to them, the way that you serve them, it just kind of all, I don't know, it clicked for them and they've stuck with me. So are, right. yeah, one of my biggest clients now. All right. So I asked you some, some personal questions in the pre-show and you gave me permission to talk about some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that came up was uh, like OCD. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm curious because my immediate thought is that in your line of work, any kind of, any kind of obsession uh, can be detrimental to actually shipping products, uh, actually meeting deadlines. Do you find that to be an issue at all? Yeah. Um, the two things that slow up me getting a project done for a client are being obsessive compulsive. And when there's a lack of direction, if I don't have direction from the client, you know, kind of like a, Oh, just give it, you know, give it the spa feel. No, that doesn't really help me out at all. So I just kind of sit and, you know, push pixels around for a while until something clicks. So that, that, that prevents me from shipping quickly, but yeah, I'm OCD and, and, uh, you know, so I'm constantly aligning things. I'm constantly making sure edges are as straight as they need to be when they really don't need to be. Um, and I, and I'm futzing with things for way too long before I let them out of the house. See, I think, I think design as a profession requires a certain amount of obsession over things like alignment and grids and, Mm -hmm. and all of that. Uh, where does the line, where do you think that for you, the line gets, gets blurred between just good design practice and, and unnecessary obsession? I don't know. It's that's, that's tricky. My great grandmother was an oil painter and I always, when I was growing up, I always thought I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to paint. And I got to tell you, I cannot paint. I, I suck at it. I'm horrible. You put a brush in my hand and, and it looks like my four-year-old daughter's done something with it. She's better though. Um, <laughs> and it, so I've always told people, I said, look, there's two different kinds of art. There's the, there's the messy, creative, like Monet, Van Gogh kind of stuff on, on canvas. That's that, I call that messy because there's no shapes and solid lines and it's a mess, but it looks beautiful. And then on the other side, you have design and straight lines and things that are aligned and there's grids and all that. And I, I, I always said that, that obsessive compulsive people should lean towards the graphic design stuff because it just fits their personality. I don't know if you can take it. Well, I guess you could take it too far. You can take anything too far. Oh, believe me. I know. But, but, but obsessing, assessing over the details isn't a bad thing. If, if your goal is to make sure that, you know, you haven't, you haven't broken anything, you know, that, that everything is, where it should be. See, to me, it's a great thing up until the point where you miss a deadline, even though something by most people's standards is done. Yeah. Do you miss yeah. deadlines? Does that happen because of I've, it? I have never missed a deadline. Um, yeah. And, and See, maybe, maybe I've just learned early on and, and maybe innately, like not telling myself I have to learn this, that I just have to, I can only give so much time to fussing over something before I just have to get it out the door. You know, I think you're using OCD to your benefit. Really? I, I think you made it work for you. Yeah. That's always that's always a, a pleasure to see. When people have 
something that a lot of people would consider a disability and they'd make it work. Uh, take ADHD, for example. I, I, I'm officially diagnosed. You think, um, you know, there may be something there, but I think that uh, properly focused and, and, and uh, treated, it's actually kind of a superpower. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, you, I, I always joke with people that when you take a nap, you wake up and there's like an app on your desk. <laughs> <laughs> you just like you're prolific in what you create. And somehow you've been able to tap that, that hopping around and digesting from everywhere and the heightened energy. Yeah. You, you've made it work. I, I thank you. I, I do feel that's true. I feel like, um, for, for 20 years of my life, I didn't know what was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't get things done the way that I do now. I, I, I made it through life, but, uh, but it wasn't until I understood the problem that I was able to, and maybe not even so much consciously, but able to kind of wrangle it. So, yeah. Yeah. You have to look for the OCD, ADHD, whatever it might be. You look for, you have to look back on the times when you know that they've gotten out of hand and look for the patterns and then start to recognize the patterns as they happen. Yes. So like with my, with my uh, obsessive compulsive, I, I was working on an icon this morning for an app for a client and I had, it's, it's very minimal. I mean, you can think almost like flat iOS seven kind of style. And I spent a half an hour tweaking, like, should this be 90% or 80% gray? Should I just go back and forth looking at it, zooming out, zooming in. And then it just, I think I became aware that I was doing that. And I said, stop, it doesn't matter just send it out for feedback because ultimately you're going to get feedback to change stuff anyway. So why fuss over hundred percent of the details before? I don't know. That's just right, my, yeah. no, that's the way at, I think. At like that get, stage. get it out. Yeah. At that, at that stage, stage. Yeah. Yeah. It's draft one. Just get it out the door. Give so. yourself more time for the final, final draft. That's right. All right. Well, I'm going to take a break for our first sponsor and that is hover.com simplified domain management. You've probably registered a domain with a company that just wants to sell you services you're not interested in when all you want is a simple .com or maybe a .co or .tv. Hover makes it easy. Just type in a few keywords and Hover will figure out some available domains for you using those terms like a digital oracle. They have real human beings available for support and their number is right on the front page of their website. If you have any problems, just pick up the phone and call. Use the code DANSENTME or visit hover.com slash DANSENTME and you'll get 10% off of everything you buy from Hover.com. All right. All right. So you also podcast. I do. Do you find that um, a good outlet? Yeah. It, you know, it was the, the first dozen episodes or so, I wrote scripts for everything that I said because I, obsessive compulsive, whatever. I, I, I was worried that I wouldn't have the right thing to say at the right time or whatever. So I, you know, Dave and I would outline our show and then I would actually write my parts out and then read it, you know, kind of conversationally as we podcasted. Um, but I've relaxed and I've gotten better at it just kind of letting things go as they go. And, uh, I like it. I get to talk out ideas. Um, I guess I could do that in a conversation that's not recorded and then distributed, but I, I get to talk. I'm a verbal processor. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if that's how you do it, but I, I, I process things verbally. I, I do to some extent. Yeah. If I don't process things verbally, then they don't get fully processed and I don't realize it. Yeah. It's like working in a vacuum. 
Yeah. Yeah. And when you know that, you know, that a certain number of people are listening to your process, mm-hmm. kind of makes you, you do this thing where it, it can be detrimental at some point, but you do this thing where you say something and immediately consider what all these people would argue back. So right. you're not only having the conversation with the person you're talking to, you're also considering from your own previous experience with saying such things, what the arguments will be and processing them on the fly. So it's actually a conversation with more than just that one person. Yeah. Even though you're the one talking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, because I, I could just stand at my desk and spout, you know, just, just let everything out. But, but I have to think about the people who are receiving it. Cause and that's, that's half a communication. Anyway, communication is crafting what you're going to say, what you want to say, to the language of the people who are receiving it. So I guess, I guess I do that subconsciously when I podcast, but right. I enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. So, so Dave and I talk about um, working from home. You know, he, you work with Dave at, uh, at Tua, uh, the unofficial Apple blog and, and uh, he works from home doing that. And I obviously work from home running my own business. So our podcast is about working from home. And it is called homework, just in case anyone missed that in the intro. That's right. Um, and originally a 70 decibels podcast, or, or I believe the correct pronunciation is 70 decibels. Is that the British enunciation? That is the, the British pronunciation, yes. Well, with an, an, you're enunciating the second syllable, correct? I, I don't decibels. know. Decibels. You put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, we were on 70, 70 dB. And uh, <laughs> in the, we're, we're, we're one of those shows, and it's in the midst of the 5x5 five five transition right now. So, um, but uh, yeah. It's been fun. We, I think we just did episode 74 last week. Wow. So it's, yeah, it's been about a year and a half. Nice. That's yeah. very nice. And after five weeks, I, I thought I ran out of topics. Do you guys, you, you guys ever have guests or do you just talk to each other? Um, we've done guests a few times. It's having two hosts and then getting a guest in. We've always found a little technically challenging. But, right. Um, I, I was traveling a few weeks ago and Dave brought in somebody and uh, chatted with them. So that works out every now and then. That's cool. I, uh, I originally, when I started this podcast, couldn't find a co-host. I thought I wanted one. Um, it turns out that I really like talking to someone different every week. Right. It's, it's really, really interesting. And I can't think of anyone that I know that I could talk to for 60 weeks in a row now, um, you know, and try to try to maintain new topics. I just don't have that much of my own stuff mm-hmm. to talk about. I'm not that exciting. Yeah. You guys must be far more interesting. No, we're not. We're, we're, I mean, Dave, Dave has such a different scope of experience. You know, he's not necessarily a freelancer, so he's not going, he doesn't have like, he doesn't have a lot to say about going out and getting clients and how to take care of clients and things like that. But he's, he's a master of like, carving out your work environment. And, um, he, because his kids are older, he's had to get really good at managing, you know, having kids who are active in school and doing all sorts of things and working at home. Um, and then me, I don't have kids that are in school yet. So that's very different for me. And I don't have a lot of like working for the man telecommuting experience. So, uh, we, we, we even each other out. Um, speaking of, and you probably have covered this at great length on your own podcast, but what does your home work environment look like? 
I have uh, an office on the third floor of our house. It's, uh, I guess, like a third floor bedroom, but it's in the eaves. I always talk on the show about how it's hot, and it's really hot right now because I turn the AC off when I record. Um, but I, you know, I can reach out and touch the roof, you know, essentially, and it's warm. Um, but it's a standing desk, as a lot of people have been doing. I've got a couple IKEA bookshelves that have kind of stacked up, and my computer's on it. So I stand looking at a big 27-inch iMac. And uh, I will say that the black bookshelves and desktops was a bad idea for an obsessive compulsive designer because <laughs> I am constantly like just dusting things with my hands. But uh, yeah. Yeah. What do you want to know about it? Uh, well, is it, is it um, cluttered or, or, or sparse? Uh, it's in- intentionally cluttered. I've got a, a, sh- a shelf that was empty a while ago, like the top of a bookcase. Um, Ikea makes these, this, this series called Expedit, I think it's called. Uh, and it's they're like 15 inch by 15 inch cubbies and they come in different layouts. You can get yeah. like a, a two by four and a whatever. So I have a two by four laying on its side. So it's short. It's like desk high off in the corner and it's just covered with Legos. I've got this thing for original trilogy, Star Wars Legos. And so I try to find them like new in the box from years ago and I can, and I've got them built and set up on a thing there. And then I've just, all the cubbies are all full of books all over the place. So it, it's packed, but I feel like there's some order to it. Do you, um, do you read all these books that are scattered around or, or I shouldn't say scattered. That's the wrong word for someone. Like you. <laughs> all these books that are stored on your shelves. I, a lot of what I have on the shelves is reference material. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's comic books and then the comic books I've read. Um, and then most of the reading that I do is actually audiobooks lately. I, uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. That's going to be one of your top picks. I won't bring it up now. Okay. Um, but yeah, my, my bookshelf, I had this thing for a while where I felt like having every reference book in the world would improve my career as mm-hmm. a designer. Mm-hmm. So I have everything from like I, icon references that mm-hmm. are typography. like typography to, yeah, to typography, to grid references, to color, like Pantone books and all this stuff that I never, at least especially now that I'm not actively designing anymore, but even back then. Yeah, I felt better having those books on my shelf, but ultimately I think I wasted a lot of money on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, I think I've given up on buying books like that. Well, because how often do I go to a bookshelf and look something up in a book when I could Google it in 30 seconds? Exactly. Uh, there's so much reference material available for free that it's uh, the trip to the bookshelf becomes irrelevant. So even more so now than it was back then. Uh, I think, uh, I think that's, yeah. And, and moving, I've moved it. I've moved all that stuff twice since then. Right. And it is heavy. Those are heavy boxes. Yeah. I mean, one of the books that's on my shelf is a couple years old. It's on typography. I probably cracked it open a couple times. And then I said, you know, I need to carve out the time to read this, but I, I run a, full-time business. I, right. I don't have time to crack open a book and read about typography. So, you know, the, the thing that floated around a couple of weeks ago, I think, uh, during fireball linked to it, that Butterick's uh, practical typography site. It's like a living online book. Um, is it practical typography.com? Okay. Um, it's amazing. And it, it's exactly what I want when I want it. If I want to reference something, I can just go there and, and look it up. Um, so yeah, internet provides a lot of uh, answers that the 
and, and it, it's like, it's growing and developing. It's not this static book that can, that can go obsolete on a shelf. It's right. up to date. So I like that. Right. That, that the future of publishing is digital. And, and I know people, people talk about the great uh, feeling of, of turning pages and, and mm-hmm. I don't disagree with that, but the idea, especially with reference materials that books can be updated while you read them. Yeah. Is uh, it changes everything to me. You, yeah. Like you don't have to go out every year and buy the new edition. No, you just, you just see the most current. That's huge. Especially for college kids. Yes. I think that's a, that's a big deal. Well, and a publisher doesn't have to invest as much money to make an, an update to an edition, you know, because they don't have to run a new print run and, and go through all of the expense of the mechanics of making the book. If they can just push, you know, a file update. Right. They're, but can they make money on it? That's, I mean, publishers, especially in college textbooks have long, they, they have out, they put out unnecessary additions yeah. just so that they can have students buy fresh copies every year and not be able to live off of the used bookstores. Yeah. I, it, maybe it'll go some, some more of a, of a subscription base, you know, where universities pay textbook companies, a, an annual subscription. I hope so. I hope it goes yeah. the way of like uh music. Yeah. Where that kind of, uh, the idea of having to go out and buy an album is, you know, it's finally getting enough traction. Like digital music distribution is getting enough traction that record companies are by and large getting, losing the idea that they have to sell a disc or a, a, a platter for every album right. that comes out. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, I totally lost where we started this one. We we're talking about she- podcasting. We were, we were way back at the beginning. It's fun. <laughs> I enjoy it. I do. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to take this, this mental pause and turn it into a sponsor break. Do it. Um, our second sponsor is shutterstock.com where you'll find over 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and video clips. Start your search at Shutterstock.com to find that perfect image for your website, ad, publication, or any other creative project. Every time you visit Shutterstock, you'll find something new because they add 10,000 new images every day. Shutterstock.com gives you a global image collection to find images from around the world to suit your project. Choose between image packs and monthly subscription packages. And if you need help at Shutterstock.com, you get an account rep dedicated to you who will answer any questions. They also have 24-hour support during the week. To sign up for a free browse account, go to Shutterstock.com, no credit card needed. When you find the images you like and decide to purchase, you can use the offer code DANSENTME9 to get 25% off of any package you put together over at Shutterstock.com. And that brings us to possibly, usually, almost always my favorite part of the show, (laughs) which would be our top three picks. The top three picks that reveal so much about the guest. Tell me the first thing on your list that you're into right now. The first thing on my list is the most recent, and it is an iOS game called Junk Jack X. Um, I believe there was a Junk Jack before that that I played. It's it's been a few years, but it's it's basically like I've never played Minecraft, but from what I understand, it's like Minecraft but 2D. You know, like a you know like Mario Brothers, where you're just running left and right, up and down, and you break bricks and you harvest the the rocks and you build things and I, it, it doesn't seem like 
fun. I found it to be strangely addictive and uh, I've wasted quite a lot of time. I'm trying to find a way to invoice the company that made it, but they probably won't pay it. <laughs> um, but it's been really fun. And uh, yeah, you, I mean, you can do things like plant crops and when they grow, you can harvest them and use the food to eat while you're down in the caves exploring and digging up gold and stuff. It looks, I'm looking at the screenshots and it looks fascinating. I mean, it's very retro, um, you know, old school pixel art, but it's, it's fun. I found those games are actually the games that work the best on the iPad. Like I yeah. really like playing like uh, infinity blade Two. It's, mm-hmm. it's gorgeous. I, I enjoy the gameplay on it, but the ones that I really get into like obsessed with like progress and storyline and things are these kind of retro looking runners. Yeah. Um, and the ones I have the most fun with. Um, and it looks like uh, it has, yeah, it has elements of I'm trying to think like all the way back to like Dig Dug and Atari. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of that. Yeah. And they, you know, they've worked in some multiplayer with this version and there are some, I guess there's an adventure you can go like do a storyline in this game too. Um, but I like the idea of kind of setting up a camp in a, in a blank world and just, building and is digging. That, is that how it starts blank world and you and you just build yeah yeah you just you you know you're standing on the ground and and you can dig down and use the resources that you are, you know find when you dig down to build things above or or you can build a, a house in the caves and yeah it sounds pretty dorkish but no I've, I've been enjoying it see i too have 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 enjoyed the idea of minecraft but have never played it yeah um and it's because I've tried and I, I'd start with the blank slate and I want to do things and I've never figured out I've never gotten over the first learning hump. Yeah. This looks more accessible to me. Yeah. With they, this game does one thing that I love, which is it avoids the in-app purchase racket completely. You just pay five bucks for the game and it's yours. You know, like that's, I like that. I don't want to have to go in and unlock everything with my money. Um, but you can purchase, I think for 99 cents, like, like the, I'd call it the recipe book. Like everything that you can make in this world has a recipe. You have to add, you know, two iron bars and, you know, a squirrel tail and, and then you can forge them into something. Um, what would you make with two iron bars and a squirrel tail? Uh, probably some sort of nunchucks. Yes. Yes. I like, (laughs) I like it already. Um, I, animal rights activists would not like that, though. Squirrel tail nunchucks? Yeah, I can't see a squirrel climbing a, a, a tree branch without a tail, so it's probably cruel. You don't take it from a live squirrel? Come on. Roadkill? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so you can look up in the book like how to build things. So I, I, there's a learning curve to it, but once you figure out what to do, you know, you can push forward. And then there's a wiki online that they, they run for the reference material. All right, I'm buying this. So, but if you waste time, don't, don't bill me. It's I, not I will not, I will not. Um, I, the in-app purchase thing. Yeah. Like there's been this like retaliation against it. And I find by and large, most games use it responsibly. Like if I bought a game and then in order to play it, I had to spend more money. That would be one thing, but yeah. a game that lets you like take, um, What's the one I've been playing? Uh, gem. It's like a Tetris gem game. Right. Yeah, I think I've seen that online. And you can buy the you can buy the the extra like I can't I'm forgetting all the terms they use. 
uh, crystals that let you destroy blocks uh, mm-hmm. individually, and it can cost you a lot of money, but you can also earn those within the game. So if you're right. patient and you play it and and you you know strive to earn these extra items, you don't have to spend any money, but the company makes a killing because most people aren't patient, and I have no problem with that. Right. If they right. can make money off of everyone's impatience, why is that a racket? Yeah, I yeah, I, I agree. You can use it responsibly and you can use it in a way that hampers the the playability of the game. I also don't mind apps that go for free and then let you play a limited version and then unlock the in, the version inside. Uh subscription, if you have to pay every month to do that, yeah, I see that being a racket. But giving people a try before you buy option, Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't see where that's evil. Yeah, it almost gets around the whole free trial, right? That that developers used to be able to do. It almost feels like that was Apple's intention with it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Get, download the, the the game with level one for free, and yeah. the in-app purchase opens the rest. Yeah, I, I I was left with a bad taste in my mouth after Plants Plants vs Zombies Two. Is that was it the second one? I don't. I didn't play the second one. Yeah, I love the I mean, first it, one. You can, I guess it fits your criteria of you can play it without spending any money. Um, but you, you will never unlock certain plants if you play it that way. Um, so I don't know. It, yeah. So, well, that, and that's a problem. That's yeah. a problem. And there's a lot of in-app purchases in that game. It, it just feels like as they built that game, they said, all right, 60% of it is going to be unlockable with, with, with coins. And that's how they're going to run it. So. Yeah, that that I can see. I can entirely understand a backlash against that. Yeah. All right. So my first pick is actually something that you created. Um, oh, nice. They are called the frictionless capture cards. Yeah. Yeah. Fancy, fancy word for a fancy index card. Right. So I'll I'll describe them, even though you could probably do a better job. But they are. They're they're a simple index card designed for note taking, designed for capturing, you know, tasks and ideas. And they have a, a, a light grid on them. They have two spaces at the top, but none of it is structured. None of it says you have to put a date in this box. You have to put a topic in this box and you have to use these bullet points. Like it's all very you can you can use it any way that makes sense for you. And I personally, if I'm not taking notes on my iPhone, if I need to just whip something out and scribble something down. I use index cards and I have one of those moleskin. Uh, it's like a folder instead of a notebook. It's oh, the okay. size of a moleskin, but it has an accordion folder in it. That's designed for holding index cards. Yeah. So that's what I carry instead of a moleskin, because I don't like the idea of taking my notes in sequential pages when they aren't necessarily sequential. Right. Um, if I were you know, writing a long form piece in a notebook, they'd be great. But index cards are my preferred method of capture. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I can sort them later and I can organize them. I can import them into my computer. I shouldn't say import. I can copy them manually into my computer. <laughs> um, and then I file them in like a little index card strong box. Um, and your capture cards have been my, uh, my, my card of choice for quite a while. Nice. Thank you, man. I appreciate yeah. that. Any, uh, any, any secrets about them you want to divulge? I, um, uh, they make a great bookmark. If you're reading, if you're reading, no, seriously, if you're reading a book that you might take notes in, take notes on the index card and write the page number like next to the note. And then when you're done with the book, 
just stick it in the front cover. And the next time you think, oh, what was that quote I read in that book? And instead of flipping through the book for an hour, you can just, that's dramatic, for, for 15 minutes. Grab the index card and find the quote on there and find the page, and then you can reference it. I like that idea. So plus that, plus it, it maintains the resale value of your book. That's right. You don't have to highlight it in the book. Because there's um, so much money in selling used books. I know. You can get like three cents for that on Amazon. $4 shipping. Um, seriously, I bought a used book for my wife the other day and it was, it was amazing. They were selling it for a penny. Oh, and it was six ninety nine for shipping. Yeah. So Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I keep a, I don't use a moleskin. I keep a field notes notebook in my back pocket and the field notes is just bigger than the index cards. So what I do is I, I, I stick, you know, four or five of them in the notebook. And so they're in there. So sequential stuff, I just take notes in the notebook and then the things that I need to write down that have to come back home with me in my pocket, you know, things I want to do right away, they'll go on the card. Um, and I use them in meetings too, as a way to give the, did you ever meet with a client and the client had to do some things that would allow you to do your job? Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe it's like go register your domain name and get right. some hosting. The client something. action list waiting yeah. for tasks. Right. So I've, I've, I've spent years sitting down with clients and having these meetings and they walk away without writing anything down. And then I have to remind them over email. And I thought, well, this is stupid. So I just take notes on an index card of the things they have to do. And when the meeting's over, I hand it to them. Do you shoot like, a picture of it first? Um, I probably should. That's a good idea. Yeah. I always do that before I give a card away. I, I snap a picture. You used to be into Evernote. And uh-huh. since I, I haven't done it without Evernote. So I would recommend doing it with Evernote because it yeah. has the handwriting recognition that uh, yes, yes. saves a lot of time. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, but that way you you can email them later and bug them about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's some great ideas. Thanks. Nice. All right. So, what's your second uh, second top pick? My second topic is a series of books I just finished, and I, when I say read, I'm using air quotes because I do audiobooks because um, I listen to books while I design. It's a weird thing, but I do it. Um, but Stephen King's Dark Tower series. Don't know if you have ever read it. Um, I haven't read Stephen King since It. Really? Okay. And I had, I think I'd only read some short stories of his and tried to read The Stand when uh, I was in high school. What and was that book of short stories? I, I, I won't derail your, your, your topic. No, it, but it was bag, bag of Bones was one, right? Maybe. But there was Night a, Shift? Night Shift. Oh, Night that shift. was good. Yeah. That, that I enjoyed. Anyway. It was a good book. Yeah. He's a great writer. He, him and Neil Gaiman, I see as they're both fantastic writers on opposite ends of the spectrum. Neil Gaiman is a minimalist with his words. I mean, have you read his newest book? Yes, I have. It, what is it? Less than 200 pages long? Yeah. I mean, it's incredible, but there's so much story packed into that thing mm-hmm. because he uses a sentence to say so much. And then there's Stephen King, who every chapter from a Neil Gaiman book is like a book in, in one of Stephen King's world. I mean, it's just... He, he stretches things out so far, but he does it in a way that adds depth and texture and urgency and all of these things that I wish I could do as a writer. It's just amazing what he does. And so I, I wanted something kind of in the fantasy realm, but I also wanted something very different. And the Dark Tower series fits that bill. I mean, it's, it's this very different Earth, if it's Earth at all. And it's, you know, the main character is like a Western gunslinger, but he's supposed to be descended from kind of a, a version of King Arthur and this, from what I gather, the guns are forged from Excalibur and it's, it's interesting. And then there's also ultra super technological remnants left around from a war like 2000 years ago, like 
robots that walk around and do things. And so, so Stephen King's doing Neil Stevenson now. Um, like, I haven't read. I have. I think I read half of a chapter of Neil Stevenson. I, I want to read more of him, but he's on my list. Yeah, but it was different. I mean, this was real, but it was good. It was good, and then it blended into modern day, and then like modern day New York City and New York City in the seventies and. Um, different places like that. And then, and then out of, out of all the ways that you could go at some point in the series, Stephen King weaves himself into the story, which was really meta. I mean, he becomes a character in the story and the characters that he has written have to go and talk to him as the writer who created them. It, it, it could have been completely done wrong. Um, so but, is it but more I like what he did stranger than fiction or Hitchcock? Like as far as the cameo goes, um, I, I'd say Have more you, Hitchcock. Okay, yeah, I, I'd say more Hitchcock. I mean, he doesn't believe that they're real, and and when they first come to him, they've basically come to him to tell him you've got to finish this series, <laughs> be, um, because finishing the series will save the the rose that will lead them to the dark tower, kind of thing. And um, and then he works in his his accident. Remember, he got hit by a van uh, a decade or so ago. Um, and it was a pretty bad accident. He like yeah. works that in there as a plot element. And yeah, this sounds but, fascinating. This sounds more fascinating than most of his previous horror. Yeah. I, I have this theory that the dark tower series is, I mean, it's his Lord of the Rings. It's his, it's what he was meant to write and everything else is support material. And, and if you look it up online and maybe go to Wikipedia or, or do a search for Stephen King, dark tower, uh, other characters, and what you'll find is that he takes characters from other books that he's written and he weaves them into the story as well. So you'll read about somebody like in the, I think the last book or the second to last book, there's a character named Ted Brodigan and Ted is a character from hearts in Atlantis, uh, which is a book that he wrote a few years ago. So it's, there's this blending of characters and names and places. And one of the bad guys is known by like a bunch of different names and he's the bad guy in a bunch of different books. So, and it has a connection, the book, it, um, I don't remember the name of the character, but the, the, there's a, a creature like the it creature in, in one of the last books. Huh? Yeah. Interesting, Interesting. stuff. Yeah. yeah it, it was very, it, just like from a, like somebody who's dabbled in writing and in the process and the cr- creation of worlds and all that, w- trying to figure out how he did all this has just fascinated me. So, so how long um, is the series? I mean, how many books? Um, I'd say on average, it's eight books. He wrote seven and then he went back and he wrote like a four and a half. So there's like, you know, one, two, three, four, four point five, and then five, six, seven. Hmm. Um, that's a lot. It is. Yeah. JK Rowling's a lot. And they average eight or 900 pages a piece. I mean, they're, they're behemoths. Yeah. I could maybe do the audio book. Yeah. Two times speed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that yeah. sounds that sounds intriguing for sure. It's a but it's a time investment. So, yeah, you know, yeah. But you can you can work while you you listen to those, which is interesting to me. Well, you know, there's there's some things you have to pay attention, like typing an email or proofreading. Um, but but I'm sure you've had projects where you know it's do an annual report. Here's the content in a word file. Set up a template, and then it's just. In InDesign, you're just assigning paragraph styles to text for the next six hours. Yeah. So it, in some ways, it's mindless, and you can turn off a you know a portion of your brain and just listen to the book while you do it. All right. All right. Yeah. 
I, I don't have those jobs anymore, but yes, no. I, can, I can relate to the tedium. Yes. All right. All right. Well, my second pick is an app called ReadKit. Mm. And I've been using it for a long time, but it's always had some uh, some bugs, some some jankiness that has kept me from falling in love with it. But I've been recently using the beta of the upcoming version, mm-hmm. and he has smoothed out so many things, everything from memory usage to to regular crashers that I was experiencing to just some of the uh, the keyboard shortcuts and confirmation dialogues, all these little details that uh, that an app like Reader did really well with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks kind of like Reader, the R-E-E-D-E-R. Mm-hmm. Um, and it 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 works. I, w- the reason I switched to it is because it works with Feed Wrangler, which is my current sync option of choice right. for RSS feeds. Did I even start by saying this was an RSS reader? I just assume that everyone knows this stuff. <laughs> um, it's an RSS. It's a news reader. Um, it works with pinboard as well uh so my my to read and unread bookmarks in pinboard look like rss feeds for me okay um and it Does works it work with feed press you know um i i could check i haven't used feed press I, I can check you can keep talking <laughs> um and uh and it works you can do social sharing with all your stuff you can turn rss feed items into pinboard or uh readability it's not readability anymore what is it Pocket, uh, pocket, pocket. Yeah, you can, you, you can. It works with pocket as well as a feed. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, it combines all of the services that I want to use into a single app, and it does it in a good-looking way, and it's convenient to use. And I really, it, it's it's my only current news source right now. Um, I use it for all of my news inlets. Mm-hmm. Nice. Have, have you used it? I am not big on uh, RSS reading on the desktop or laptop. I, I've always been a mobile device RSS reader. That, I understand as that. You can, so you're like so, a Mr. Reader guy? Um, I use Reader, R-E-E-D-E-R. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and, and uh, the iOS version works with Feedbin. Um, they, they haven't brought that to the desktop yet. So I have, I've just kind of, but I've been watching ReadKit kind of in the side, watching it, and uh, I'm intrigued. It looks like an interesting app. I like that it encompasses all of those services into one place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually, yeah, I use it with my standing desk and my treadmill and my leap motion, which makes for a really interesting experience. I blow it up full screen on my 27 inch <laughs> and I start walking, set my treadmill to about 2.1 miles per hour. Yeah. And then I can wave through stories. I can scroll by like just waving up and down. And I have it set to so it's like uh, like iPhone scrolling. So oh, if okay. I if I pull up, it scrolls up, and then I can switch to the next article with a wave to the to the left. And um, I really I rather enjoy the the kind of three dimensional mm-hmm. <laughs> physical exercise experience. Yeah, which uh, you could do by strapping a, an iPad to uh, like regular treadmill, but this lets me use my desktop and have a huge screen and. I enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. I also use Slice Reader the same way. Have you seen Slice Reader? No. It takes uh, it takes a web page or a, an article or a text file and presents it to you one paragraph at a time in, in beautiful type. And it's a great way to get through long form articles without looking at a page and being just overwhelmed visually. Very cool. Yeah. So 
Read Kid is the choice. Slice Reader mm-hmm. is a is a side mention because it's awesome. But all nice. right, I'll uh, I'll let you do number three there. Cool. Well, my number th- my number three choice is kind of a nerd guilty pleasure. But um, Dave, my co host, turned me on to uh, an anime, and it is dubbed in English. That's so not even it's not even English dialogue, but it's it's called Attack on Titan, and uh, I watch it through the website Crunchyroll dot com. Uh, I guess it's just like a collection point of anime shows and stuff, but, uh, it's, it's kind of, I'm going to say, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming an alternate timeline or something of earth, but the, the premise is at some point, um, these massive, um, giants called Titans have started to, um, try to take over, humanity by eating people essentially. Um, and humanity's retreated within the walls of a massive city. And it has, it's like a city made up of three concentric ringed walls and, um, they have gates on the walls and there's, you know, a whole system of guards and, uh, scouting legions and things like that. And, um, these Titans have kind of been gone for a hundred years and all of a sudden they come back and, um, this show is all about, uh, trying to prevent them from destroying them. And it's interesting. You know, the, one, one of the characters uh, learns very early on in the series that somehow he can become one of these Titans. And uh, that leads to all sorts of interesting uh, dialogue and, and plot devices. But per- Permanently become one of the Titans? Um, just for a while, just oh. for a while. The, the Titans are really weird creatures. And, and I've only watched through like episode 19. There's 21 of them. And I don't think they've, finished explaining everything yet in this because it's an ongoing series um but you know when you you can only kill these titans by um cutting them across the 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 back of the neck um if you you know if you cut off an arm the arm grows back if you cut off the head the head grows back it's really weird but um if you cut across the the i guess the nape of the neck somehow they've learned that that actually kills them for good and then the bodies just kind of evaporate and you're left with some smoking bones um so bio-friendly yeah, yeah, there's not a lot of burying going on. But uh, you know, the 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 humans that fight them, they they wear these really cool like 3D maneuvering gear. It's basically like um grappling hooks with steel cables and then compressed air and fans that help them to like swing. You think Spider-Man, but but with a lot more velocity uh and and I guess just like a lot like Spider-Man when when you get to thinking about it without the web stuff. But uh, without it, the it, whole spider thing, without the sticky goo that he keeps shooting out all over the place. Oh, let's keep it clean. But uh, it's it's uh, it's it's fun. I, I subtitled stuff is a little difficult for me because I feel like I'm missing what's on the screen because I'm reading the words. Yeah, but it's it's a good series. You know that you're trying to figure out like okay why can this one guy turn into a titan and where do they come from and who's controlling them and what's going on and uh, yeah it's been fun. That is, it has a very interesting animation style. Um, it looks like, uh, more like Final Fantasy than it does like, um, yeah, older, yeah. like Ghost in the Shell kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's wildly popular. I mean, it's, it's based on a super popular comic book manga in Japan and, and it's just, the show is incredibly popular. So popular. I haven't heard of it. That's right. Yeah. That's, well, I, I don't, heard of it either. I don't follow this stuff. I, Dave's like, you got to watch this. I've watched very little anime, but, uh, this, this kind of 
I, I don't know, just looked attractive to me. The, the, the only one that I ever watched before this was, was a series called Witch Hunter Robin, uh, which was amazing. It's, it was just a limited run, like, I don't know, 20 or 25 episodes. Amazing hmm. series. But, I never uh, saw that one either. I've seen yeah. a few, but uh, what's the cowboy one? Oh, Cowboy Bebop? Yeah. That was fun. That was fun. That was fun. And if you like it, mixing up a little bit of modern and, and historic, there's a um, Samurai Champloo. Is that how you say it? Champloo? That is an amazing series. It mixes like hip hop music and what you would think of as like modern day New York, but it's, it's like ancient Tokyo and very, Wait, very cool. Is it Japanese hip hop? Um, no, I mean, I think it's, well, no, that's a good question. Cause there are some really, really, and surprisingly so, uh, good Japanese hip hop groups. It's, uh, it's fascinating to listen to Japanese hip hop. It's really hard to find though. Well, do a search for Samurai Champloo, C-H-A-M-P-L-O-O, uh, maybe throw on soundtrack onto that. Um, I love the music on the show, the opening credits, the, the closing songs. It was good stuff. All right. So, so that's my pick number four. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, my pick number three is music. And I think, I don't think I've ever talked about this guy before, but he is, if I had to pick one single artist as my all time, most listened to favorite artist. Wow. It would be David Usher. And uh, he is a British-born, this is according to Wikipedia, a British-born Canadian singer-songwriter. And uh, he used, I don't know, you've never heard Moist? No, no. Were they known for any particular songs or albums? I honestly don't remember. I I, I can look into them if you want. I was never never a huge Moist fan, but I did follow what they did. Um, They're, you know, it's rock. And yeah. then uh, in about 97, uh, David Usher went on a uh, solo path mm-hmm. and uh, he put out a song called Little, he put, he put out an album called Little Songs. And that was the first I heard of him. And uh, it was outstanding. It was bare bones, uh, kind of singer songwriter music with dark themes, uh, a lot of uh, kind of personal uh, pain. I guess, mm-hmm. but not painful to listen to. Not like, uh, not self-serving, but he, he, uh, he exposed himself in a way that, that made it easy for me to relate to. And then over the years, he got really good at a pop sound with, with, uh, heavier subject material mm. and, uh, everything from like losing a, a, a girlfriend in, in the river is a is a common theme like watching her drown in the river um to his own personal like drug and and uh and emotional problems mm-hmm. and he he his his words are crafted not not as well as say Leonard Cohen who <laughs> yeah. who is to me the epitome of of wordcraft mm-hmm. um but in a way that that is is intriguing and and memorable and the music itself is outstanding. The, the band that he's put together is a, an amazing group of musicians. They tour all over the world now, um, but used to primarily be a Canadian act. Huh. There's some good stuff out of Canada. Leonard Cohen is also from Canada. If you want music, I guess you have to go to Canada. I guess. And maple syrup. Can, music and maple syrup. Yeah, I'm big on maple syrup. 
probably music about ma- maple syrup if you look a little bit. There's probably a band called Maple Syrup. I don't doubt it. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. I'll have to look into him. I, I'm intrigued by your descriptions. Yeah. I, I love the idea of like musician known for a particular band or style and then reinventing themselves and then having success with that as well. Yeah. Um, the, do you remember presidents of the United States of America? Yeah. Uh, Lump and Peaches, the guy that, that fronted that band uh, records kids music now. <laughs> and, and, and he, he uses the name Casper baby pants. And I don't know what his, I can't remember what his real name is, but um, it's insanely good stuff. I mean, there's a lot of crap kids music out there. Just, yes. Yeah, my my mom gave us a set of CDs that were like some Clifford the Dog sing along music stuff, and it, it's just it's the kind of stuff that on a road trip I just want to drive into the you know the median and just crash and end it all because it's just incredibly terrible stuff. This guy writes really creative, amazingly funny lyrics. They're clever songs. He's a good musician, um, and he brings in people like. Um, um, it's the guy from uh, Nirvana, not not Dave Grohl, but um, Chris uh, Novolesk. Yeah, say his last name? I don't yeah. know how you say it, but that's that's yeah. It, yeah. I mean, he he has all these guest artists who come in and do things with them, and and it's just it's it's cool stuff. So my kids love it. They they have the songs memorized and they dance around. And every time I hear the guy singing, I think it's like a President's United States of America <laughs> album. So, nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, I, I just added that to the show links as well. Uh, Casper Baby Pants. Nice. Um. All right. Well, that was three and three. Are we done? That was. Well, I okay. think we're done. I think we're done. <laughs> our, our top 12. Top 12. Yes. As, as it always is. Um, all right. Well, I will close with our third sponsor, which is Shopify, a hosted e-commerce solution that allows you to set up and run your own online store in minutes. Pick a template, add your products, pick your payment processor from PayPal to Stripe to Authorize.net and ship your stuff. With just a few clicks. With Shopify, it's easy to sell online. There's no software to download, host, upgrade, or maintain. Pick from over 100 professionally designed e-commerce templates or create your own with full control over the HTML and CSS. There are no bandwidth limits and no need to worry about scaling when your store becomes popular. Every Shopify store is level 1 PCI DSS compliant and totally secure. Shopify has just announced their Shopify POS, which... If you're not in the industry, uh, it does mean point of sale and nothing else. Um, <laughs> it's an iPad application that lets you sell your Shopify store's products in a physical retail setting. It's quick and easy. Browse your store's catalog, pick a customer's products, swipe their credit card, and print their receipt or send it through email. You can automatically sync products and orders, uh, and there's only one dashboard to manage all of your retail online stores. Get Shopify point-of-sale hardware, which includes a credit card reader, cash drawer, iPad stand, and a receipt printer. Um, order online, and shipping is free. Visit shopify.com slash 5 by 5 and you'll get three months for free. Check them out today. All you need is something to sell. All right. So, and in our sign-off, um, you are A-M-A-H-N-K-E on Twitter. That is correct. At Amankey. At Amanke. And uh, are you on app.net as well? Yeah, same name. A-M-A-H-N-K-E. Yeah, same name. And uh, and you have a website at AaronMonkey.com. Is that right? Yeah, AaronMonkey.com. I'm sorry. 
That's okay. Force of habit. I, in my head, you've always been Aaron Monkey, and now you're Aaron Monkey as of today. You know, my, my first day of class every year as a kid, you know, the first day of fourth grade, first day of fifth grade was always a nervous wreck for me because this new teacher had to learn how to say my name and they would say it in front of everybody. And in front of everybody, I'd have to raise my hand and say, I'm sorry, it's Mankey. And so, then everyone would make fun of you, come up with right. rhymes. Yeah. Yep. Hanky Spanky. Been there. Brett Nerdstra. Yep. Yep. Um, I still think you need to buy that. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't, wanna, don't give yeah, anyone no, ideas. No, no, no. I need to own that one. Um, <laughs> I'd hate to see what other people might do with it. Oh my gosh. All right. Anywhere else you want to list? Um, um, I do some freelancing blogging over at getfrictionless.com. Um, I, I'm in the middle of an identity crisis. Not sure if I should be running two different blogs at the same time, but I have them and that's what they are. I think you posted recently that you were making an effort to consolidate. Yeah. I don't know how it's working. <laughs> yeah. Well, you do what you got to do. That's right. All right. And I am TT Scoff just about everywhere. And you can find me blogging at brettterpstra.com. Also, for the sake of uh, simplicity, I am at trpstra.net because it only has one T in it instead of three. That's right. Terpstra. I have your shirt on today. I had it on today, like on accident. I didn't plan on wearing your, your shirt to be on your show. But. I'm, I'm honored. I'm actually wearing one of my prototype shirts right now. Ooh. We're all, we're all in the same band, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, cool. thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Sounds good. We'll see everybody in a week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>